0: Welcome to the Missions Podcast, the show that explores your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice to help goers think and thinkers go. I'm Alex Kochman, Director of Advancement and Mobilization for ABWE International, joined by two awesome folks in the studio today. We have a live studio guest, of course, uh, my co-host and uh, esteemed uh, friend, Scott Dunford. I'm still alive. You're still alive. (laughs) Uh, Vice President of Mobilization and Communication for ABWE. And uh, before we introduce our guest... um, the, the topic that we're talking about today is it's heavy, and it's personal, but it's hugely important um, and we're just going to go ahead and, uh, and lay it out all out on the table, is that we live in a culture of just an onslaught, a, a tidal wave of sexual um, confusion and temptation and imagery all around. And uh, it doesn't just come to us uh, through uh, temptation to, to act out with other people. It comes to us through the media. It comes to us through pornography as well. And specifically in the realm of missions, uh, there's a lot of reasons that missionaries can be more susceptible. Uh, to some of that temptation, people in ministry in general. But, you know, you also talk about being separated from your your peers and living overseas, living in isolation. There's all sorts of reasons that this matters um, for missionaries. And it's something that we don't talk about often for anyone who's in any kind of ministry at all. And uh, Scott, uh, I I know that you're excited um, to pick our guest's brain about this topic, Uh, but you also need to be on your best behavior because he also happens to be your pastor. That's right.
1: Yes, exactly. So I really thrilled to have a really great friend. Uh, We serve on a team of elders together at Community Evangelical Free Church here in Harrisburg, Um, and uh, I love to be able to sit under his preaching every other week. He's one of our co-pastors, Benjamin Verbicek. Uh, He just came out with a new book. He's written several books, but this is his latest book, The Struggle Against Porn. I don't want to steal all of his thunder in talking about that, but I'm really thrilled to have you with us today. Thank you, Benjamin. You Just before we get into this topic, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family, and uh, I'd love to talk a little bit about this book.
2: Yeah. Thanks, Scott. It's good to be here. Uh, I hope you are on your best behavior as I, well. I will try. <laughs> <laughs> no guarantees. Yeah. I am what
1: I am <laughs> by
0: the grace of God.
2: <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So I have uh, been in pastoral ministry here maybe maybe almost a decade before that. I did some engineering. Uh, that was kind of the degree I was getting when, when God changed everything about everything for me in college. So I finished it and did it for a while. Um, but yeah, I've lived in Harrisburg about five years. I've got uh, a wife of... Um, 13 and a half years of marriage it's been great and we got a bunch of Wait, kids. what's your anniversary go <laughs> it's in May uh, oh, okay, okay. Um, so uh, but yeah so yeah it's 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 great um, and, and a lot of kids and a lot of chaos at my house that's what it's like
1: a great great family and uh, I know my daughter babysits for your kids and that's just adores them and we're really thankful to to have you as in our in our in our church but also to, to able to talk about this so this this book um, obviously comes out of of um, pastoral experience and and life in ministry. So uh, what motivated you to write this book? Can you just tell us a little bit about it? Obviously we know it's about porn and struggling with porn, but what else?
2: Yeah. Well, maybe I'll just back up for a second. I've got, I got another book, um, about the job search process for, yeah. for pastors. Right. So, um, someone was teasing me the other day that I'm, I'm kind of becoming typecast as the author who writes books that you can't read in public, right? <laughs> you can't, you, you know, if you got a book oh, on transition, yeah. you can't read that in your office. And, and now this one, you can't read at Starbucks. So, um, yeah, for me, it, it, there's a humor to it in a sense like, I just I didn't ever think I'd be a writer, uh, let, let alone on this topic. My own kind of growing up in a modest home, um, and and then not not like economically modest, but just just culturally, like I yeah. just didn't talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. And then being a firstborn and a rule follower, and then coupled with kind of a Christian home, and then on the side of that, just my own sexual sin. It just it's just. I don't know, humor is the right word, but it's a strange thing. That yeah. This would be the top. You didn't ever. see yourself doing it. No, yeah. not God. God is, uh, works in extraordinary ways. So for, for, for me, it really came out of frustration. Um, and hmm. I'll say probably a surprising one. Um, so for the last 15 years, whether college campus, local churches, I'm meeting with guys um, who have some struggle with lust or pornography. And I go into these meetings wanting to be helpful. And I would just leave so frustrated. Hmm. And uh, but, but probably for surprising reasons. But like my main frustration was me. I, I would want to be helpful and I would just feel myself. Uh, I'll use the word flounder. I don't know if it was pastoral malpractice yet, uh, but it, it felt like that where I just I want to give guys hope and encouragement. And I just was floundering. So it was really born out of just this desire in my own local church, own ministry to just say, how can I be more helpful? And, and that's where it came from. I'll just give you one other little thing real quick. But the um, there was a situation in our church that just it. it with well, well, the guys in jail now, so right, uh-huh. so and and I spent a year between when everything came out and when uh, the sentencing and, and, and all that happened, and just every Monday meeting with him, and I just thought, man, this is and, and, and things in a sense are better now, but it just got to the place where I just ran. Sexual sin can go uh, farther than anyone anticipates. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So it was, it, the book was really born out of that, just wanting to be helpful. Mm. That's good. Well,
0: we wanted to dive into it. I, I talked a little bit in the introduction about some of the uniquenesses of why um, missionaries, you know, there's there's problems here. Uh, but before we talk about missionaries specifically, what are some common misconceptions maybe that that you dealt with? You know, we don't want to call it malpractice. Right. But maybe there were some things that you didn't realize when you were you know in some of these counseling situations. What are some of those misconceptions that Christians have about pornography and its related sins and, and behavioral habits?
2: Sure, sure. Maybe I'll just mention two of them, and then, and then you guys could chime yeah. in. Maybe you're aware of things or, or think of things maybe here in the moment. I'm not going to. But but one, unfortunately, I would say I'm perpetuating one of them with my book. I, um, so it, it's a book written largely to men. It's not to say a woman couldn't read it. Obviously, uh-huh. I I'm not policing that. I don't, you know, if they want to buy and read it, great. But I think one of the misconceptions um, is that it's just a guy's problem. Uh-huh. And, and and I'm perpetuating that not on purpose just because I felt like that was the that was that was what I knew that's what I could write too well, but so Audrey Assad is a mu- musician and she was um, in a, in a book interviewed and and she had this quote it just was really eye opening when I was doing the research that for, for women who struggle with lust and pornography um, there's a double shame almost uh. because it feels not only like wrong of course because there's this christian conscience and okay so this is wrong but this is also a guy's thing and so there's really something wrong with me a double mm-hmm. shame. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a that's a one misconception. Um, the other one I would just say just just say briefly is I think that it's just sexual sin is always or pornography usage is just always about lust. And and, and so lust is yeah. always involved but you just take take something like overeating, right? I think people would be pretty quick to acknowledge, okay, overeating is not just about food. right? And scrolling through Instagram 90 minutes, like that's not just about keeping up with friends. There are heart issues, there are longings, there are desires, there's temperaments, there's family backgrounds that go into this that make it more complex.
0: Well, I I was just having a conversation with um, a student um, a couple days ago. And he's um, interested in missions. We've been having some conversations, but he was sharing um, about not only his struggle with pornography, but also how it's related to other addictions, and you, know, sure. you talk about things like alcoholism and and things like that. But it it does show you. It's yeah. It's not. It's not just the sin of lust. There's a desire for comfort for, um, control for, for just an emotional gratification, um, stress relief, all of those things are bound up in it. So to treat it as only a lust issue just really doesn't exhaust the topic as much as it should. Well, and I, I also also think, you know, we can easily think that this
1: is an anonymous thing that there is no victim. Right. And and that is not, that isn't true. Um, not only are you a victim of the sin and you're creating yourself into like you're, you're damaging yourself. Um, I think Paul specifically talks about sexual sin being harmful to your own body. Sure. Um, but then yeah, it's sinning against your own body. Yeah. You know, but then as we understand more about like where pornography comes from and the, the, the way that sex trafficking and those things go along with that and the rape culture goes into that, um, pornography isn't just, a uh, a sin that it is just is victimless, right? Yeah,
2: for sure, for sure. Yeah, I think um and and you know, if we really are members of one another, the way the Bible speaks of us, I I think you know, if I would punch Alex in the face here, that would yeah. make an interesting podcast, right? But you would feel that. You would feel that sin. <laughs> Let's try it. Yeah. This is a great That's analogy. This is not one. punching me. This is a great analogy. I want to see where this is going. Yeah. Well, no, I just, I think, I mean, that, that, that sin against you <laughs> uh, would, would be felt. and, and, and I, But I think what, what I do by myself is, is never anonymous. It's mm-hmm. and, and, and yes, there's an industry that you're uh, supporting, whether intentionally or not. Yeah, you're
0: voting for more porn, more sex trafficking, more exploitation of and children and destruction of families
2: every time you use it even if you're not paying a dime towards the producers sure, sure. and but but I think I'm just hurting my own church not, not just because I'm the pastor but just it's less healthy of a church um, because I'm participating in that so I think that's always going on Well that's a perfect transition
0: we talked about obviously you know is this a threat for pastors for missionaries for people who are in some kind of full-time ministry position and' you're, you're sort of answering that you're saying yes but walk that out for us what does that look like?
2: Yeah, I th- I think <laughs> So pastors and missionaries, pornography is, is is going to be a thing always in two, two ways. One is the potential uh, to be a user, a consumer, a, a participant, but but also as a healer. I mean, right, That that's the hope, right? So I just think this is an issue that pastors and missionaries will be um, around. And, and so, I mean, as long as we're not, you know, when you become a pastor, you're not perfect. When you become a missionary, you're not perfect. You, 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 you know, the, the qualities um, that Timothy talks about, or Paul writes to Timothy in First Timothy 3, those character traits include a one woman type of man. Mm -hmm. Right. But, but, um, you know, the living out of that isn't always as perfect as it should be. So, so there's the temptation there. And then there's, if you're doing ministry in a local church, you're just going to be dealing with this. Uh, I, I think, you know, as I disciple men and I've heard others say this quite frequently is that the question isn't just, you know, to, are you struggling with this? But, but tell me about your struggle with this. You just kind of lead with the assumption this is going on in some way, shape or form.
1: Yeah, It's interesting. You know, we do, you know, moral surveys, you know, with our, with our, applicant missionaries they try to find out where they're struggling, not necessarily just to exclude them, but also say, okay, how can we come alongside of and help you? And when you ask the question, you know, are you struggling, you know, do you, do you struggle with porn or have you struggled with porn? The answer is almost always no. But if you ask them, how are you battling pornography? Then you find the story that's actually there. So there's still a lot of shame and guilt surrounding this, this topic, isn't there?
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I I think, I mean, for as culturally acceptable as it is, and I I mean, you you see like, you know, whether it's the Netflix or Amazon Prime is doing sort of what HBO used to do, where they didn't have some of the regulations they can show things and and, and whatnot. But for as acceptable as it is, is there's still, um, in a a local church pastor ministry context, there's a lot of shame and guilt and, and secretiveness.
0: So let me, well, let me, let me play devil's advocate and maybe push back. There is shame, but shame can be good, right? I mean, we should feel ashamed when we are guilty. So, how do we separate
2: that um, from maybe a negative kind of shame that you're talking about? Yeah, I just affirm that first, man. I I think you look, one of the critiques that gets leveled against um, the people of God in the Old Testament specifically is, I think, through the prophet Jeremiah, is that they don't know how to blush. Like, not, the the, yeah. the problem is you you don't know how to blush anymore. Yeah. You should, but mm. you don't, and and you should feel shame. And so, um, there there there's if you can use that word a, a good redemptive shame that leads yeah. someone towards repentance. I think that's what maybe what Paul has in mind when he speaks of a um, a regret and a sorrow that that goes one of two ways. Just kind of a. I'm going to fix this on my own and not get healing in the gospel or a shame that leads to actual repentance. Mm. And so that would be the ideal. So a
0: negative shame that feeds more of the secretive uh, treatment of the sin and falling back into it versus the kind that leads you to repentance. So we had a conversation, I'm not sure if it's going to be out yet or not,
1: uh, with Danny Aiken talking about young men and um, and where are they in missions. And I think this plays into it because when you are giving yeah. into this kind of sin and there is this kind of shame, there's also a lack of spiritual power and spiritual confidence. Sure. And so, you know, as a man who's trying to like lead and take bold steps of faith and following Christ, whether that means in your local church or to answer God's call to go overseas and you don't, and you're not walking with the Lord and you know, there's this baggage behind you of secret sin that if it was revealed could ruin you, you feel like it could ruin you. Um, it really keeps you from being able to be bold and following Christ.
2: Yeah. So it's, you would all know John Piper's ministry and and back yeah. in the eighties, he, he would say the closest he ever got to being fired. And I don't know this cause he told me it personally, it's out there. You and Johnny like, Piper, are yeah, right? like <laughs> this. Yeah. I'll just, he texted me the other day and uh, we great. were talking about, it. so nobody just, he just said he wrote an article called missions and masturbation, which is mm. provocative topic. Battle, right, but it was trying to address that issue of of w- men and women in ministry, mm. and 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 the, not not specifically why they're not going, but what do they do with that shame once they have it, and not knowing where to go once, yeah, how to get overcome that.
0: It's a killer of the mission of the church. It can literally destroy our effort for the Great Commission. And, and I think it's important to remember as pastors and missionaries that
1: we are involved in a spiritual battle. Mm. Um, the Book of yeah. Ephesians makes that so clear that that we are subject to attack and i i do think that pastors and missionaries are under attack um, and that Satan will put these things in front of you
0: to derail your ministry and affect you. I actually just got a text from an ABWE missionary this morning saying that he was reflecting on, uh, I think it's first Peter five where, you know, Satan is this you know, roaring prowling lion looking for someone to, de- to devour. And his comment to me was, you have, and I'm holding my smartphone for those of you who are listening, uh, you have red meat in your pocket. Hmm. And, and that's the reality, is, is that there... Because it's not just... Maybe this is one of the ways I'd like to talk about how this has changed yeah. over the decades. It used to be a, a Playboy under your mattress. <laughs> and then it was a computer in a room where, you know, there was no mirror behind it or nobody else in the room. But now it's literally... Um, this supercomputer that's yeah. that's you know practically sewn onto your your pant leg I mean, all day long. When I was a boy, I can
1: remember driving. We, we lived in Wisconsin and we lived outside of Madison. And every time we drive into the city of Madison, there was this building called the Red Letter News. And mm-hmm. I would always be as a kid like, "That's a weird name. What's that, Dad?" And he'd be <laughs> like, "Oh, that's you know, that's a dirty." place that's a porn store, you know and you're like oh, okay like the, the odds of me ever walking into the red letter news are somewhere around zero yeah. um, and and then the only other exposure to porn would be like like you just said if a friend was like hey I got some of my dad's old playboys up in our you know tree house or or you know maybe the the, the channels on TV that are blocked up, but you can kind of like see the fuzziness through it but that that was mm-hmm. really all the average person especially the average Christian who was trying not to find porn or like wasn't actively ser- searching for it so I kind kind of lost
2: my breath there, <laughs> would, would find it. so, sure. But that's changed completely, hasn't it, Benjamin? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, so I'll, I'll make a noise here, and, and Alex might know what it is, but you will certainly know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, like dial-up internet, yeah, right? right. That, was, yeah. that was really good. Yeah, that was, yeah, that very was really good. good. Yeah. AOL, I just AOL flashbacks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so— Uh, Yeah. I mean, just the fact that there would be a certain age of people that would have no idea what that sound is like just communicate to change and the accessibility and affordability and and the acceptance. I'll just give you two for instances. If I can do real quick, Mm -hmm. it'll be all right. So, so I'm at, at the airport a year ago with my family, and there's a Victoria's Secret outlet. And, and there used to be a day—now this is more than just a decade, several decades—where you did put lingerie on a mannequin, like, anywhere. And, yeah. like, there are giant TVs of yeah. their whatever this halftime show thing, mm. they had, you know, just on repeat. And I'm like, this is odd. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. You know,
2: I'm just trying to catch my flight. And so that's one thing. And then the other—I'll just say—I uh, just to, I got a 10-year-old son, and— um, mm. So the other day we're talking, so I'll just back up about, I am not the helicopter type parent for what it's worth. You know, like w- w- for me, my son, would, you know, let's go play in the woods with a machete. Like, that's fun. Um, <laughs> I'm going to the, you know, the playground, the monkey bar is upside down. I'm cheering him on. So, so just as a context, I'm not watching super close on a lot of things. But he comes home the other day and he, he said this kid on a bus had a phone and he was playing GTA and I'm like, I'm trying. like oh, Grand Theft Auto. Exactly. So I go back 20 go. years in my mind. I'm like, high school? I wasn't allowed to play that in high school. Yeah. Because yeah. you got... Like points for sleeping with prostitutes, or something. and and so there's a nine year old kid, and it's there's yeah. a there's and there's a phone game, there's a mobile. Well, oh. that's what, yeah. So that's what I'm saying, so he's on the bus playing it next time, and so I'm not a helicopter, you know, watch it close parent, but I am flipping out inside because just the, 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 yeah. the level of accessibility, how easy this is, and where things can lead. So, yeah, I think it's a lot has changed. Yeah, so, so much. And it, it puts both parents on guard. It ought to put parents on guard. But
1: it's important, I think, to realize, if, especially I don't know who's listening, you know, everyone younger is going to go like, oh, yeah, we know this is a problem because it's sitting in my pocket. I have, I have this phone that can access everything. But for those of an older generation, I can remember sitting in a in a in a pastor's staff meeting and we had this sweet guy. I love, loves the Lord. He was one of my assistant pastors. He was 85 years old at the time. He was 85 or around there. And, um, some of the younger uh, leaders on our church team were saying, like, hey, we need accountability about these issues. And I remember him saying, hey, that, that's a private issue. You need to deal with it privately. R- really not comp- understanding at all. I mean, still living in the paradigm of there's these sleazy stores true. and the yeah. red light district of town that I've got to go find, not realizing how things have changed. And so, you know, for those of you who are who are a little older, um, you know, or, or don't have access to some of these, I can't imagine there is is that person listening, because you're listening on a podcast of all things (laughs) (laughs) but it's important to realize like the game has changed and we've got to be aware of that even if we're are we are older and it isn't affecting us in exactly the same way it is bombarding our young people
0: Well, I want to, want to spend just a little bit more time diagnosing the issue specifically for missionaries and why a missionary on the field might be uniquely susceptible and why this should figure into our conversation of cross-cultural ministry. And then I want to kind of finish diagnosing things and actually move to some gospel hope, which I'm sure is what you want to get into as well. But why would this be particularly relevant in the realm of missions?
2: Yeah, I think you've got a number of things um, working. Can I use the word against you? You know, as uh-huh. a missionary, um, just just difficult things. On, on first off, you you're removed from your local church, probably you're sending churches, mm-hmm. um, your, your established friendships, your, your community, the people that know you, the people that you could potentially pray with, confess with. Um, there's an element of pride that I would think, um, there's an exciting, you know, pride. Hey, I am doing missions for the Lord. Like, but then there can be a very yeah. negative one that can cause you to, um, well, there was a phrase about banks. They were too big to fail, right? The, the, yeah. Your right. missions. It's, it's too yeah. important to fail. Yeah. And so like, if God can, needs me, God needs me. Um, and, 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 and he needs us, but, but he doesn't need us. And so I, I just, those can get mingled together. Your livelihood is at stake. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think if I go back to my engineering days, like I could have an affair that would be terrible and wrong, but like my boss wouldn't fire me. Right. <laughs> um, and so that's, that complicates it. And then I'll just say another one and let you guys chime in because this is your world more than mine in oh, a sense. That's helpful. It would be that I, I, I'm just, so a friend goes the other day to Germany on a work trip. And he just says in the hotel they've got naked oh, yeah. women, and right, and it's not like artistic, you know, like Renaissance art. You know, sculptures, this is just really pornography. And so a lot of your missionaries, I I imagine, are going to places where uh, the sexual taboo threshold is much lower. Mm -hmm. And then potentially even um, there's a whole thriving sex industry that even more so than here.
0: Yeah, yeah, we have missionaries in places like Bangkok, Thailand, man, for sure. Yeah. Some of the largest red light districts in the world. Yeah. And and I would say even. You know these countries that seem more
1: Puritanish. I mean, to to, to steal that word. I mean, we have obviously we're theolog people who I love like theology. Word, we love Puritan- you I say. love the. But Puritan- you know, like uh, <laughs> in our yeah, as I'm using this word, I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, but but the way people talk about, it, like, you know, people go to China, like, oh wow, it's so moral. Like you can turn on the TV and there's nothing dirty on at all. Mm-hmm. But there's this seamy underbelly that's just pervasive. And you know, I, I I have a friend who stayed at a decent hotel. You know, and he was a single guy. They knew he was a single guy staying there. And, you know, at 11 o'clock at night, he gets a knock on his door and there's a guy with two prostitutes. You know, like there's this, well, you never would have that at, you know, your local Fairfield Inn or Country Inn and Suites. That just, that isn't part of our culture, but it's definitely a part of culture that even looks on the surface. It's just an acceptability and a feeling of anonymity because yes. people don't even know my name. And, you know, they don't even speak the language. And how, this is going to, you know, this could theoretically be...
0: um Unknown. Oh, there's a pastor in my city who um, was excused from his church because he was actually arrested um, for engaging in prostitution, um, uh, engaging with prostitutes. And but the reality is, is for somebody serving overseas, you could actually be not just, you know, looking at your phone in the privacy of your own bedroom or hotel. You could be going out and, and engaging in that sort of activity on the streets and not be caught because your church is
2: half of a world away. Yeah. I think, what are are things that you guys are doing uh, as an agency to to help that? I just, I mean, this is me here learning. I imagine Uh, you're talking about on the front side, you're, 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 you know, Open lines communication as they're there. But yeah, what are things that you guys do?
1: Well, it is my desire that this podcast will even be helpful on that and that your book will be able to be helpful to that. We're going to make that book available to you um, as we move forward here in the podcast. But um, a couple of things that we've done as an agency, and this is just recently because we've started to kind of come to grips with a problem that we probably should have been dealing with differently mm-hmm. uh, quite a while ago, is that one, we've separated the, the administration of missionaries um, and missionary care we've separated those so that actually our missionaries can reach out to missionary care um, which is kind of our um, spiritual arm of the help yeah, shepherd member missionary and member care so they can reach out for help without it affecting their job right immediately obviously some issues are big enough that you're going to need to step out of ministry yeah. but for someone who's struggling in this area and trying to fight this area and is is you know not living an addicted lifestyle but certainly giving in to temptation more Um, to be able to reach out for help and counseling. So that's one big thing that I think is a big change because it is tough if you feel like, hey, I got to feed my wife and kids and I'm in ministry. We've heard pastors talk about that's complicated because, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, to deal with the sin rightly, to also lose your means of feeding your family, it becomes very problematic.
0: It amplifies that shame. Another thing that we're doing is we have a partnership with Covenant Eyes, Mm -hmm. which not only provides accountability software for your mobile device or for your computer, uh, but it also has a lot of training trainings that, that get into not just kind of the new aspect where it's, it's, it's an issue that needs to be repented of, yeah. but also teaches you about some of the, even the chemistry behind what, what, what feeds this addiction, what chemicals am I releasing in my body, um, that, that make this such an addictive thing, um, comparable to drug use and talking about just the plasticity of the brain. Mm. Um, some of those training resources are really useful. We're trying to put that in front of uh, our whole missionary population. Yeah, I mean, I've got it on my phone. I've got it on my, my phone family's
1: computers and my children's phones. And it's really helpful because not only do you get like an accountability report, but it acts actively blocks a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I can't say that it blocks everything, but I mean, it, it serves as a filter, but then also um, like, you know, for, it gives you an accountability report to say like, Hey, this is, you know, this is a struggle. And if you find yourself in a situation where you know, you're going to be tempted, there's a panic button that you can hit the button and say like, I know mm-hmm. I'm going to struggle today. And I think there mm-hmm. are cues, you know, like, Hey, like you had, One of them, like loneliness um, can be Mm -hmm. one of those things or feeling of isolation or um, feeling sick, maybe. I mean, there's there's things that your brain has learned when I'm under this kind of stress. This is my response, Benjamin.
2: Yeah, I just I, people talk about those as triggers. I, I sometimes yeah. think about it; it's a little more graphic. But pulling the pin of a grenade—it's not the thing that blows it up, but it's the thing that puts it in motion. Uh, and and there are a number of them. And I think so. There's a whole kind of not to make it about the bookie, but there's a chapter on that. Just thinking through. Yeah. What are those situational? What are those emotional triggers? triggers I mean, yeah. just thinking back. So you're counseling with a guy and say, "Okay, what did your last 24 hours look like before mm. you, you you dove back into this?" I mm-hmm. think some of those things are really helpful because it starts to again go. Going back to just, it's not just about less, although that's a huge part of it. There there are disappointments. There's fantasy of, not, not erotic fantasy. I don't mean that, but just like, what does it mean? Uh, you know, a new job and career and aspirations, these things you're dreaming about. And, and when they're not, not met, how do you, you know hope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so the book has these diagnostic questions. So it's different than a lot of these books that is that you're not just getting into like the theology of it. You're not just getting into the physiology of it. You're getting into like, Hey, how can I self-diagnose this problem or work with something? Can you tell us a little bit about what your thought behind those questions uh, was and, and how you tried to develop
0: that? And, uh, and then
2: I want to get into some, what would you tell someone to, yeah. what, what is the gospel hope here? Yeah. To, yeah. So we'll, we'll go there next. Maybe just, I'll just interject quick. Thanks yeah. for asking that question. Cause I, I think that there there are a number of good books. This is, I mean, you know, I'm not even gonna say it's the best book on the topic by any means, but I do think I'm, I'm trying to do something that maybe some of the others weren't, at least in a little more discrete packages. So I, th- for me, the premise is like, I'm not a car guy. I thought, I, you know, I did engineering back in the day. Hmm. I thought I'd be able to take my car apart and yeah. put it back together. Turns out I can do a lot of math. <laughs> <Like> that's, what, <laughs> that's what I learned in college. So, um, yeah, so, so, so that dream was dashed. But, but, I you know, I know a few things. But, but, but basically if something's wrong with my car, I'm going to bring it to a mechanic. And, you know, whether you got a modern car, they just they plug it into a diagnostic computer thing, right? And it spits out, you, you know, yeah. you, there's not a things wrong. There may not even be 20, but, but here's the five things that the, the issues that the computer system spitting back. So, so for me, I was thinking through, okay, I've got these guys are struggling. I, I want to be helpful. What would it mean to plug your head and heart into a diagnostic computer and just spit back? Here are the hmm. things to think about. And so I, the, the subtitles, 29 diagnostic questions for your head and heart. And so porn is a symptom, not just the problem too, is also
0: what you're saying there. It's like a code on your car. It's like, if you're engaging in this, that's not just the problem. That's a symptom of other things. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So why, why is the, uh, you know, my car drifting to the left. Well, it could be the alignment. It could be other things. And so, so, so for me, I just walk through in the, in the, in the book, um, beliefs, uh, you know, what, what are some foundational beliefs about this? What are character traits? I think character traits uh, are a huge thing. There we've talked about pride, but but if you're susceptible to flattery, <laughs> uh, uh, a pornography is inherently flattering. It doesn't yeah. care if you're attractive or have a job or any, so, so things like that, character traits, then the nitty gritty of accountability and software, some of the classic, uh, I'll just say pornography tropes that that Min's book talks about, and then just hopes. So I just try and go through those four categories of what are diagnostic yeah. questions about each of those, and then there's a you know there's a hundred questions in the book at the end of you know if you total them up into a chapter that you can go through with people. That's so.
1: great. So it, so it can be really a tool for discipleship um, to go through with someone else, but it's also something you can kind of go through on your own.
2: Yeah, that that's the hope. It's yeah.
1: practical. Is it, that's is it a, something that a husband
2: and wife could go through together? You think they could? I I you know in the book I actually say I. I <laughs> So I, I would say if I break my arm, my wife should hear yeah, about it. Right. Every time I stub my toe, I, you know, my wife doesn't right. need to know. Right. Uh, it, you know, so you bring that into a context of the guy who's struggling. Mm-hmm. I think you can do it quite a bit of damage. Um, you know the the, the wife that the bible speaks of to respect and honor her husband and i just think you're you're putting that wife in a hard place if mm-hmm. you're bringing everything to her so you you could um i'd just probably say yeah. it'd be better to, that your wife knows you bought it and you I'm going through it with she you needs to, to know
0: to, maybe that you struggle she doesn't
2: need to know every
0: single time I, there's a temptation or yeah
2: that, that's what i feel like so if she it'd be better to know she i bought it and then i'm going through it with alex or scott or something yeah. like mm-hmm. that oh, that's that's helpful so yeah you know, I mean, we have a lot of different people listening to
1: the show, and it's always encouraging to us. Yeah, we have there like we a go. dozen now. Yeah, we're <laughs> up, we're up there. It's not just my grandmother anymore. Um, <laughs> I think we have a few others, which is fun. Um, but as, but it, you know, I was just at a, at a campus and, and spoke in chapel at Clark Summit University, and and had someone interact about this. So I know there's students listening to this, yeah, you know, cool. and there's missionaries and pastors and a lot of other people listening to this as well. So the odds of someone listening to this who's deep in this struggle or even addicted to pornography. It's high. pretty high. So what would you say to a missionary who's on the field or a pastor or someone who's serving in their local church who's, who's struggling uh, with this battle and feels like they're losing? What would you, what would your encouragement to be to them as as they listen to this?
2: Well, we just slow down for a second mm-hmm. and, and just say, I'd, I'd, I'd want to, and maybe even now I'll just lead with the gospel and say, um, God loves you so much that He's not only just uh, prepared an eternity that's good and glorious, but He wants that to break in right now. When when Gospel of John especially speaks about eternal life, it's it's a life uh-huh. that is for then, but it, it breaks in now. Hmm. And pornography is not a part of that, and and it's it's inhibiting that, it's it's crushing that. And and I'm talking to someone who probably already knows that if they're listening and feel that. So I would just encourage them um, that God doesn't need you. (laughs) It's a strange encouragement perhaps to hear. Um, But if you're doing missions and it feels important, you're doing campus ministry, you're doing pastoral ministry in a local church. He loves that church. He loves that mission field. He loves that campus more than you do. Uh, mm. And if you need to step back for a bit, that's okay that's okay. Uh, it, it's better for you, your family, potentially, if you have one, your wife, kids, whatever it looks like, your future, not just in this life, but conceivably the life to come. And so I, I would just say your sin um, isn't going to get better by ignoring it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you find black yeah. mold in your house, right, you don't yeah. like if you I just put a newspaper over that, Right. Uh, it, it, it'll take care of it. It's not going to get better. Mm. And so you need to bring it into light how you do that. Um, I, I would get some people you trust. Because probably you're at a place where you don't, you're not going to be able to diagnose yourself anymore if if this is really bad. And so get get you know I, if this was for me, I go to Scott. I say Scott, this is going on, and we'd bring it to our elder board and we'd talk about. And I just kind of say, here's the keys, man. You know, tell me where I need to go. Is this something we can work through here on job, or do I need a strategic uh, uh, step back? And and all of that would be good because I think to to get caught, in my experience. Uh, Coming forward with it is is so much more helpful in your healing and restoration into ministry or just life and gospel and local church as opposed to getting caught. I, I, mm. I think it, whatever getting caught looks like. But, but I think if it goes that route, it's just going to be longer and slower moving back towards ministry and, and, and purity and soundness. There's something cathartic and helpful about sin coming to light. I think, I think oh, that's
0: biblical. It's really helpful. Catch yourself first. Yeah. Ben, how can people get more about uh, you, your writing? Um, how can they get their hands on the book? Those sorts of things.
2: Yeah. So it, it'll just be online, available wherever you want to grab the book. Wherever good Christian books are sold. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or Amazon. Am- or Amazon. <laughs> that's, that's probably the best way to say it. So uh, yeah, I, I, I love to write. I put a blog post up every, nearly every week. Uh, so it's just my name, um, Benjamin Verbicek, But Because nobody spells that very right. well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you can also go to fanandflame.com. So, or BenjaminVerbaCheck.com. Fan and Flame comes from Paul's advice to uh, encouragement to Timothy to take this little gift he mm-hmm. had and fan it into flame. And so for me, I want to be taking kind of this gospel embers in people's life and just fanning them into flame. And so I write there and everything I kind of put up there somehow comes back to that.
1: And, and I'd like to put a little plug in. Um, if you go to CommunityFreeChurch.org Is, is sure. that right? Yep, yep. <laughs> it's a long website address, but CommunityFreeChurch.org. You can hear the sermons of Benjamin VerbaCheck and our co-pastor, uh, Jason Abbott. We're going through a series on Job and other things that I think are super helpful. Great, great series there to listen to and a lot of other things to listen to as well. So just a couple plugs, not just for the writing um, of Benjamin, but also um, I want you to be encouraged by his preaching
0: as well. And we want to help get this book into people's hands. So you said you have about 10 copies you're willing to help give away. Love to. To people that need it. So um, share this episode and just tag uh, hashtag missions podcast. Um, if you just hashtag missions podcast, whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, whatever platform you're using, go ahead and share this episode with a couple of friends. And uh, we'll go through those uh, posts that come up under that tag. And uh, we'll give it a week or two. We'll announce who's who's uh, got those books in their hands. Uh, but hopefully it's a useful resource for you guys, and we want to make it available to you regularly
1: It's a great resource, something I've already read, but it, more importantly, encouraging to me is that my, my teenage sons have read it and have found real encouragement and blessing from that. So I, it's been tried and true in our family. I can say uh, that it is a great book, and I'm excited to get this into the hands of, of more of God's people.
0: Oh, thank you, Benjamin. It. Benjamin, thank you so much for joining us. If you want to get more great content on theology, missions, and practice, go to missionspodcast.com. And while you're there, make sure that you subscribe in iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite listening platform. And please make sure that you also give us an honest review and a five-star rating. And don't forget to be sending your questions to Alex at missionspodcast.com, along with any other ideas for future episodes. And until next time, thank you for joining us.